Yes, that's right. Yes, you're hearing right. Yes, yes you are. It's a rama in your ears. Hey guys, welcome to another session of the Arama podcast, Head in the Clouds. This week we are really super excited to have founder and CEO of a company I've followed for a few years, uh, Spotins Amaram. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today. Very excited. No, we, really, we really appreciate it. Um, so just to kind of give people an idea, if, if you haven't heard what we do, so we obviously have a, a group of, of companies we work with that are looking to do some really exciting things. And the whole point of this podcast is based on a couple of KubeCons and a few other events. We had people saying, hey, like there must be other companies having the same problems. There must be other people that are interested in learning about these kind of things. And so we thought, let's put a podcast together where we can kind of share some ideas. Um, Amram, I've seen you guys at a few events that we've been at. And um, I know you've got some pretty exciting plans. So I thought would get you on and I'd ask you some interesting questions and pick your brains. So uh, thank you very much. I guess let's start from the top. How are things this year, 2020, new year, probably a new set of objectives that you have, how are things going and, um, and what can you tell us about where you guys are at? Yeah, you know, 2020 is like, is a very special year by all means, you know, for us as a, as a company, you know, we're, almost uh, 200 employees now, growing really fast, over a thousand customers to date. Um, our products are expanding and moving to multiple workload types and in uh, um, different areas in cloud computing. But it's also, um, you know, on the macro level, on the industry, I think we're witnessing like the cloud industrial revolution uh, that people will talk about it in like many, many more years to come. Uh, you know, like about this timing of humanity uh, that like, you know, machine learning, compute infrastructure, network infrastructure, just becoming available to every business around the world. Uh, and it's very exciting. It's exciting that we're like just helping organizations to adopt cloud faster, reduce their cloud costs, simplify their infrastructure. So it's a very, very exciting year for us. Perfect. Perfect. How For, for those of you that don't know, um, I, I guess these guys are doing some pretty interesting things, as you said, across a few industries. How, I guess, how do you describe your company in, in a few words? I'm sure you get lots of people saying, hey, what are you up to? What do you guys do? In simplistic terms, what is it that you guys actually solve from a problem perspective? So, you know, very simple. Like we help companies to optimize their cloud infrastructure cost and basically reduce their complexity as they are deploying their applications in the cloud. So helping with cost and helping with complexity, that's what we do. Okay. How did you come about, I guess, where, where did this start for you? And I guess from an expansion perspective, it's been, I think, three or four years. Um, uh, talk to me how you've got to where you've got to. And more importantly, what, what have you learned through that? What's been, the, what's been the thing you've kind of taken from it going, geez, I didn't expect that. Yeah, so you know, so, most, so like most companies that started in in Tel Aviv, Israel. So the story starts in the military. Um, yeah. Uh, me and my founding team, uh, we were uh, a team at the a unit in the military called Mamram, which is basically not a lot of people, but like basically that's the cloud unit of the military. That's like the AWS of the military. 
Um, that's the unit that's responsible for building data centers, operating data centers, um, providing compute, network, storage, different type of PaaS services to our like the, the, the army developers so they can deploy their information system, the most critical and sensitive systems. Uh, so like that's what we did since like we were like 18 years old. Um, so everything started there, like our uh, you know passion to infrastructure and passion to uh, uh, managing you know large scale applications, and and then you know after that we had a very interesting story of how the company started. Um, we knew we we're going to do something around infrastructure. That was for sure, um, either to work for a company in the industry or doing something in that space for sure. But mm-hmm. what happened is I, I left the military. Uh, after being an officer there for seven years. And and I, I was a student for computer science. And in my last two semesters, I had to do like a thesis, like a you know big project about one of the topics that I won. Um, and my topics were was cloud computing. Uh, and I wanted to explore how to uh, save costs and optimize costs in cloud computing through the use of spot instances. Um, mm-hmm. So basically that research in the academy turned out to be spot uh, in a couple of months. Um, people really like the idea and we realized that there is something here that we probably need to bring out to the world. Amazing. So in terms of where you guys are at and where you want to get to, you've probably got some great plans. You've talked about, it probably seems like yesterday, right? When you first started and now you have 200 people. What, what, what's next for you guys and um, where, are you, where are you headed now? So I think um, for us, it's, it's all about like, how can we like, continue our growth um, deliver value to our customers, uh, provide phenomenal customer service as we are growing. Um, as I mentioned, we, we started from solving a very hard problem, which is like utilizing spot instances, which is before 2015 when we started. Because like, if you ask like the random guy that runs infrastructure on AWS, like what are spot instances? They would like look at you like, what? Um, and I think that today we, we pretty much help to uh, make it pretty standard uh, to use in cloud. So we want to continue with that with that motion. And you know the big take of what we're trying to do is like how can we as a company how can we extend the DevOps stack? How can we help like to create better cloud ops um, you know atmosphere for the DevOps people? Uh, we know that today DevOps people are doing CI and CD and they have tools for that. How to mm-hmm. Um, uh, build the code and how to ship that code to production. And we want to become the extension of like CI and CD. And then eventually after that, CO, like continuous optimization tools, platform that connects with your continuous delivery tools and basically takes the management of the infrastructure to the next step. Perfect. I want to ask you a question quickly, if I can, about um, actually the Israeli market, because we work with quite a few companies that are, Israeli-based startups that want to come to, you know, explode internationally. And I think there's a couple of key things that come to my mind there. One is that they're incredibly ambitious and they have some great plans, but also it can be quite daunting and it can be quite um, difficult to know exactly how to do that. So I wanted to pick your brains about what your approach was to that. How did you go about that? And um, and from where you are now, where do you see your, your success in the future in new areas? What are your plans for expansion because i have a few companies i mentioned um to you earlier we're quite familiar with working in that space but i guess having done it why do you think the israeli market is booming so much right now and um 
what was it that you did specifically that helped you be successful in the US pretty much straight away from what I know? It's a great question. And uh, I think if I try to really narrow it down, so I, I truly believe that Israel is a big tech hub. And one big contribution to that, the fact that Israel is a tech hub, is literally the military. So very young people get to go to the military and do like pretty crazy jobs and roles in the tech industry at the age of 18 and 20. And then they go out to the industry at the age of like 22, 23, 24, with like five, six years of experience from like doing this uh, for a very large and one of probably the biggest and and most uh, secured uh, platforms on the world. Um, and that's create innovation because that's like really exposing people to a lot of technology as very complicated problems. Israel, you know, as a nation, we're always like, you know, keeping, we're making sure that like we're, we're going to keep our existence and like we need to make sure we can, we, we can defend ourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's really pushing us to the limits on the way uh, we are operating our military. And then, then you find like people going out, to, off, out of the military when they solve in the military really crazy problems and then they're pretty much ready to go to the entrepreneurial world and like solve problems for for companies out there it's just really interesting because i think culturally there's a there's a massive uh i guess uh, gravitational pull towards companies from israel that have got like super cool products they know what they want to do and i think um being honest coming from europe sometimes there are companies that maybe aren't able to execute as as well um when it comes to just kind of following the intuition of where the products led them to and, and ultimately what idea and iteration of ideas have started the product in the first place. So I find it's a, I think it's a tight network of people. It's yeah. difficult to get into, yeah. but when you, <laughs> if you can get in there, uh, you tend to do well. And, and I had that at KubeCon a few times where, you know, I was speaking to, you know, similar people to yourself and they're saying, Hey, have you, you know, have you worked with an Israeli startup before? And I was like, yeah, I have. And they're like, oh, cool. Then we can have a chat because it's a different breed. It's a different, it's a different type of engagement, but I love it because it's, um, it's super cool and people move very quickly. What, so talk to us about where your expansion plans are, are focused on, because I think you guys have got some, some significant funding. You've got a great product. You've got a great customer base already, as you said, where do we go from here when you're sitting in your meetings with your teams and you're talking to people at kickoff? What are the aspirations that you guys are looking to conquer? You know, we're, right now we're in, in, a, in a very interesting moment that um, we're actually what's next for us is like we're taking on a much bigger, um, you know, opportunity. Um, as I mentioned multiple times in this call, we started from like solving very specific problem and then our platform expanded and expanded. And we're actually right now like really aiming to get into like leading the category of like cloud ops. And what cloud ops means to us is like best practices, processes, and tools applied to successfully deploying and operating modern applications in the cloud. So Mm -hmm. like cloud ops to me is like, you know, the nirvana of like where operations in the cloud should be. And cloud ops, obviously under the hood of cloud ops, you can find DevOps, FinOps, SecOps, like how to do well, like software deployment and how to do continuous optimization and how to do security and governance and how to do monitoring and, uh, um, and SLAs. So we want to go there and provide a platform which is bigger, richer. And in order to do that, like we also want to put our you know, efforts where our mouth is. We also thought that um, it's, it's about time for us to actually change the company name. And 
that's um, you know, a big thing that we're uh, doing today. What's it going to change to? So, you know, maybe before I'll tell that, um, I'll tell you like why we're doing it. Uh, and Do it. Two reasons of, of why we're doing it is, is one is like very simple. It's like, you know, pronunciation. Like we've mm-hmm. seen it in different cultures and different countries. Some people like wouldn't like pronounce our name well. So like instead of like saying spotting, they would say spotness, spotting nest. Uh, and, you know, I take the, the blame on this. I chose the name. And second, you know, when you say spot inst, so you basically like, you know, the initial idea was spot instances and spot instances is a, is a very AWS term. It's like, it's a very specific thing. And, you know, as a company, we, we expanded from our core product. Obviously this is still like still major revenue generator for us. And that's like how we built our products on top of, but you know, that's still like when people see spot ins, oh, spot instances, that's it. They live very categorizing us in a very mm-hmm. niche area. And then as we were thinking about changing the name, because of these two reasons, we, we said like another factor that we need to consider, which is we have great reputation and we're actually not pivoting what we do. We're actually expanding the core thing that we did. Uh, and that's why we didn't want to do a, a very drastic change in, in, our, in our company name change. Uh, and that's why we chose to change the company name to Spot. Uh, just take the company name, shortening it a little bit, uh, and then we're like, we're landed with like spot, which is, you know, that's a destination. That's a singular place. That's like yeah. a place you want to be in. It's a standalone name. Um, and obviously talk in a much bigger way um, on the vision we're, we're preaching. Perfect. I love that. You hit a really good point there, actually. Um, so I think I have my own views on this. I'm going to ask you because you're the expert, but uh, containerization, Kubernetes, hybrid cloud, serverless, these are all massive terms, which I think if I think back to seven or eight years, we think about big data and AI and machine learning. Everyone wants to talk about them, but no one really knows what it does, but everyone wants to buy it, but they don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my question to you is, and it's kind of going back to what you just said, I think it's really, really uh, a great thing that you guys are thinking, well, hang on a minute, we don't want to be known as just one thing within a specific area. We want to be able to have a holistic view. Where do you, what's your view on, uh, I guess, the, the hybrid cloud and the general cloud uh, sort of ecosystem as it is? And, and where do you think this is going? Because, you know, there's lots of companies that, that come to us and say, hey, look, we're doing some great stuff within this specific area. But at some point, it's all going to collide and it's all going to become a bigger picture. So uh, I think based on what you've said, you've probably thought about that and you're a step ahead. But where do you see 2020 and 2021 going when it comes to hybrid cloud technologies and containerization and communities and, and all these key areas? Because it can't carry on being separate all the time. I, I feel like we're on a path to, to collide and make a, a big mass. So what, what's your view on what we're to expect? It's a, it's a fair point, a very, very thoughtful statement uh, by you. And the way we're looking at the world is like, you know, there are some like inevitable things that will happen just because of like gravity and because of like, you know, that's like how people like they, they want to manage their infrastructure. So we think that this is inevitable that people will choose more than one provider as their cloud vendor. Um, and don't get me wrong. I don't think that like people will deploy their application like 30% cloud A, 30% cloud B, 40% cloud C. That's probably not going to happen. But what we are seeing is that people will choose like one cloud as their gravity of like center of gravity. And then they will use other clouds for like different features that they are missing. 
like for big data that is, they don't find like what they have in the center of their cloud and like maybe other things that they like system of, of record to run in their on-prem, like system of engagement to run in the cloud. So like they will use more than one type of infrastructure. Um, and, you know, so that's like about like choosing multiple providers. To me, that's going to happen, but I, I'm not a believer that like, like a very, um, you know, uh, uh, um, very easy mobility between the clouds because I don't I don't think that will happen. Um, I think that it will still be you're going to be tied to a single provider then use like other providers for different type of applications. And the second thing is I just think just because of the ease of use um, and the way that containers are are the way they work and just helping the developer to be more efficient at the end of the day. The, what will make the developer more efficient, that's the technologies that will win because our organization wants to move fast and they want their developers to have more, uh, um, you know, they'll be more empowered to do more with less resources from ops and dev and like, you know. Um, so to me, that's why containers are going to win. Um, containers are so, you know, they're like containers in the terms of Kubernetes and container or, or serverless in the, in the form of like Lambda and functions. And, that's a very interesting distinction because like serverless and containers, to me, there, there are two terms that are not being used well today in the industry uh, because serverless is not Lambda. Serverless is not only function. Serverless is a concept of like deploying stuff without managing infrastructure. So, and I think that the, the trend is like go everything to serverless. Like nobody wants and nobody need to manage infrastructure. That's for sure. Um, and then I believe that, you know, most of the applications, the, the, the lion's shares of application will be microservices, you know, containerized in the, in the way that we know today. And some of the applications and some of like the systems will be designed in an event way, event based, uh, which is, you know, functions and so on. So obviously it's going to be a very hybrid world in the next few years um, yeah. you know, between VMs and containers and, and functions. Uh, but Literally, I think that container is going to be the major part um, and um, function is going to be topping these with like, you know, whenever you need to attach compute with events. It's really interesting. I have, um, I have a couple more questions. So my first one is basically when you speak to an enterprise company, wherever it is, what, what tends to be the problem they want to solve? And my second question off the back of that is if they don't know what problem it is they want to solve, how do you go about how much of what you do is educational and evangelistic? Because if we just talk about what we've just said there, and, and obviously being the position you're in, you have the foresight to kind of predict this, but let's talk about the traditional enterprise company in, in the US or even in the UK, for example. Your big banks, they, they don't necessarily know the benefit of a serverless system. They don't know what's out there. So at what point do you kind of engage with the company? And, and, and from your experience of being ultimately incredibly successful um, over the last few years, where do you see most success quickest with, with your enterprise customers? Talk me through that kind of initial journey and, and the value they see um, from you guys. So I think that every enterprise, you start their journey in the cloud. So the first problem at day zero uh, is how do I get my stuff to the cloud? How do I start using it? What are the best practices? What are the things I want to do there? Uh, and that's like, you know, that, that's the first problem. Um, the second problem is, you know, okay, how does it look security-wise? I think that, like, if you look like, if you go, like, three years ago, so security was, like, a really big, big problem. 
And because people say, oh, cloud looks good. I can run my staging. It's, it's way easier than like managing infrastructure myself. Um, but then like, okay, what it means to go in production. And then day two is a problem of cost and scalability. Um, because people are moving to the cloud. It's very easy. Uh, it, the pricing model is new. Like every developer and every DevOps, be, it becomes uh, a cost factor and a cost contributor. Uh, and and then like, okay, what's now? Uh, and and I, I see like a really major shift in the last four years that like from security being the number one, uh, um, you know, challenge in the cloud and today cost being the number one cha- challenge in the cloud. Um, and we meet customers, you know, between day one and day two as they are deploying their production, as they are realizing that like, whoa, it's more expensive than we thought. It's more complicated than we thought. This is where we meet customers. My, I guess my second and third questions are based on my personal experience of your brand, having been to some events. Um, the KubeCon is a, is a big event of ours. Uh, we have some great customers. And uh, I, I remember being to the one in Barcelona and then San Diego and being like, wow, like, why is there loads of people over there? And it's, it's always your stand. So you do something well. Your marketing guys are, are great. My question is, which which events are key for you guys moving forward? Because if we talk about uh, scalability from a, from a company perspective, we talk about personnel, we talk about the market. There are only so many people that have the skill sets that we would assume you guys need to be successful in a company like yours. So I'm curious to understand what your thought process is around, you know, where do we go? Who are the events we want to get to? What, what's the audience want to get to? And my follow-up question to that is, I want to ask you personally, from a cultural perspective, you, you know, you've done incredibly well, you've grown a great company, and I know some people that have joined you guys. I want to understand what your criteria is and how you uh, instigate, um, I guess, a set of DNA that you guys stick to when it comes to hiring because it's really interesting for me to understand that based on understanding how tight that market is because you must have a lot of interest from people but you must also have a a tight set of things that you look for to make someone able to be successful because ultimately it's under high pressure it's you know you're not a a huge company that can afford to take on people that aren't quite right so i I just want to dig into those kind of two two key areas i think they interconnect quite well um but hopefully that question's clear (laughs) because i've waffled a little bit i'm sorry (laughs) No, great questions. Um, so to the first one, which is your, your second. Um, so I can say that like for us, the strategy now is, as I mentioned, like we're meeting customers in like day one and like, you know, day two in their journey. And that's like, you know, naturally that's like the events that we would look for. So uh, probably events that are, you know, people are just getting started or exploring what cloud is. It's probably not a good event for us. So that's why like this year we're like, uh, more we're going to go to like, you know, more advanced events like, you know, the KubeCons and, you know, maybe like really large uh, cloud summits that like we know that like customers are coming. Uh, but this year we're actually going to start doing our own events, like, you know, create mm-hmm. our own events with our own community. Um, and, you know, that's an that's initiative. That's a very tough initiative to, uh, to push uh, because you need to have your community to run these events. Um, mm-hmm. But that's definitely a big thing for us uh, this year. Uh, we have a great plan for uh, local events, um, and that's that's a major strategy for us. Awesome. And and to the to the second question on on culture and DNA, um, wow, you know my the way I think about it is you know culture eats strategy for breakfast. Okay, 
if you don't have the right culture, like it really almost doesn't matter what products you build and what is your strategy long term and how you think about cloud and how smart you are. Like, because in the end of the day, you need to create an amazing culture, hire great people. Um, and, you know, it's a very deep sentence. Like, what is hire A players or hire great people? Um, you know, because if, if you ask me, like, I'll tell you, like, hire A people. And you're like, oh, yeah, because I was about to hire stupid people. Uh, <laughs> thank you for giving me that advice. Um, but it's way more deep than that. And the way I look at this is, at the end of the day, you need to, like, really sit down and define what are the values and what are the principles of your company? What made you successful? What brought you here? What are you looking in people? And then make sure that when you hire people, you actually let them see that, let them read that and talk about that. And like, do you want to be part of this like mission? Do you want to be part of this like DNA? Uh, and like what role you want to do? And like, it's very important to, when I, when I interview someone, when I, like, that's how I do my culture DNA check. Is I, I, I look at two things in, in, in front of my screen when I talk to a candidate. Like one is my company's principles, and it's on our website, and everyone has access to it. And the second thing is the job description. So like, and I go like you know side by side, like you know, in parallel in, the, in these two things, and I just make sure that there is a very good alignment between the culture and what we need that the, the, the person will do, and then like they both need to be one hundred percent alignment because if not. Like the cost of hiring a per, uh, the wrong person is way way worse than hiring, uh, um, you know, a great person which is can do the work you need. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's really funny. I looked at your principles earlier actually, and I was talking to a few guys about this. But <clears throat> there's a there's a few that stood out that kind of um, I really I guess I guess share from my perspective. You talk about obsession. The word obsession for us is quite key. Um, I think you know taking complete ownership and. If you think about a startup, you talk about being obsessed with actually making sure a customer can actually get what they need to get, um, and you kind of pair that with the the ability to be, I guess, completely committed uh, and just owning the whole thing. Accountability is key. I guess this is one for our followers. So we we have we just hit our twenty thousand followers milestone. We have um, a load of followers that I guess are in this market. What, what do you think um, your message would be to those about? where you guys are headed and, and I, I guess what kind of skill sets you look out for just so people have got a heads up if you want people to kind of hit you up and, um, and look out for you guys in the future. Where does, where does 2020 see you go and um, what kind of things are going to be of interest to you when it comes to people reaching out and, and, and watching you guys? So, you know, I learned that like there is a, a very interesting point in the, in the life of the company, which is when you cross the 150 employees. Um, because when you cross the 150 employees, Basically, if you think about it, people no longer know everyone. So it's not only your friends and friend, your friends' friends. Uh, and there is something else other than like just knowing each other that needs to connect people. And what I found at like what's connecting people across offices, across time zones, and across like and you know like the new guy and like the guy who joined like four months ago and the guy who joined like two days ago and the guy who was the company for for four years now. So the one thing that connects between all of them. That's the mission of the company. Uh, so I think that like companies need that mission. And like when we hire people, like we really want them to be part of the mission, align with the mission, believe in the mission. On the culture side, we believe that everything starts from the customer. That's how we build products. That's how like, you know, our, our um, customer satisfaction rate is something that we're super obsessed about. 
Um, we just recently did like an NPA survey to our customers and our score were like more than 45, uh, which is we're very proud of. So that's like a really big thing that for us, we really want people who are obsessed by customers and understand that this is how you build products and this is how you deliver features. Like you don't build things and someone will come, like you're building things that you know that people need. Um, mm-hmm. And I mentioned like the 150 mark of employees because that's also something that I realized that, you know, you want to have as much less ego as you can as you're growing and especially as you're becoming 200 plus employees. Uh, and that's why one of the really big things we're looking right now is like humble people, respecting people, just like treat everyone with respect, no matter what happens, no matter how, you know, in which like deep, sorry for my, for my language, deep shit we are, like just respect your peers, respect your manager, respect your employees, respect everybody around you. Share the credit when things go well and take responsibility when things go poor. Um, and I think that's a key, key ingredient for, um, you know, working in lar- large team uh, because ego and politics can can kill a lot of things. So humbleness, that's a pretty big, big thing right now. I agree. I absolutely agree. I've got two last questions for you. My first one is, what are you most proud of so far, given the four and a bit years you've been doing this company? What, what, what are you most proud of? What event or what compelling event or what area are you most proud of? I'm most proud of our customer satisfaction rate which is above 99% consistently since we launched the company. That's, that's a DNA that like we're, you know, we grew our support team from like one people to 50 people and everyone has the same DNA. And that's the thing I'm most proud of. Amazing. My second and last question is, if you could give yourself some advice just before you thought about starting this company, what would it be now based on what you've, you've, uh, you've achieved and what you've experienced? I'm sure there's some things that you've kind of learned along the way. That's a deep question. <laughs> I should have given you the heads up about that one, but I'm interested because you seem to have your head screwed on really well and I'm really interested to understand what... There's probably something along the way that hasn't that happened as you expected um, and I want to know what that is and, and what, what you did differently. You may say nothing, but you may say, hey, I would, I would never do that. You know, I, I think that I would change a lot of things. Okay, I can change a lot of things. So like, you know, the the way we raise money, the way we hired people, like we did like a lot of mistakes. And I can tell you a lot of mistakes on the people, a lot of the mistakes on the products, a lot of mistakes on anywhere. Like I probably burned multiple millions of dollars of just worth of mistakes. However, I think that like if I go back, I would probably, you know, I would go through that same journey because... I'm very happy with where we are today. So I think it was very important to go through all these mistakes to get to where we are today and to be stronger for the next evolution of the company. Yeah, I agree with that because loads of my uh, my customers and the people I work with and I've built relationships with, they they do the same. I think that's the organic nature of a startup and, and, and I think the ambition and the pure desire to be successful as a startup leads you to make choices which ultimately are either right or wrong um but i think the companies that fail from my experience of doing this for too many years is those that aren't ready to make any choices and they sit on a product or they sit on an idea yeah they don't they don't they don't take a direction and and if you do that you will always fail because um yeah customers aren't able to follow and 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 obviously employees aren't able to join as well but um i really relate to a lot of what you said and 
ultimately, I think you guys are in a, a fantastic position to continue to do great things. You know, that the funding, that, that I guess the name change, the ability to be agile in the market, which is moving very, very quickly, is great. And, and I wish you all the best for 2020 and beyond. And, and I'm sure we're going to follow the journey and hopefully we can meet for a, for a coffee when we, when we come to the next conference. Um, you know, just because we talked a lot about culture and like, you know, this is probably one of the podcasts that I enjoy the most, I must tell you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really must tell you that. Um, and I think like, you know, if we're talking about culture, so one thing that we deployed really well in the company, and it's a really nice story to tell now, is that, you know, we're talking a lot about fail fast. So like take risk, be biased for action, fail fast. So like if you see that things don't work, just like let's recalibrate. Don't like get in love in your own ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And we're very good about this as a company. Like we're failing and like we're not like we're not punishing anybody and we're like not like pointing on anybody. Like, no, okay, what can we do better to do next? Um, and last week there was like something really interesting, which is, um, you know, one of our employees resigned. Um, she was working like one of our teams and she wanted to leave for a different opportunity and we wish her nothing but the, but the best. Uh, and, you know, after two days, she called her manager and she like her, like former manager at Spotin and, and she said like, I want to fail fast. I don't think I made the right choice. I want to go back to, uh, to, to work for Spotin. You know, that for me was like one of the most, uh, happier moments and like being a CEO uh, mm-hmm. like how this culture in propagates like outside of your like company's role and like how you can get even your employees back so yeah. that's super good I, and I think that's kind of like <clears throat> so my, my values when it comes to you know partnering with someone like yourself or whoever but the, the biggest thing that I find is successful is being able to emotionally invest yourself in that company and be an extension because there are a lot of people in the network who who see uh, you know, I, I speak to a conferences or you speak to and you make an impression on them and they might not be ready to make a move. They might not be ready to, to explore the market, but the, the impression you give them allows them to make a decision moving forward about the kind of companies they want to be involved with. And as this company continues to develop and as this industry continues to essentially combine five or six or seven different types of technology, there are going to be a lot of people that are interested in being in, involved in that. Um, and, and the proudest thing for me is, you know, having conversations like this where it's ultimately very simple values um, and there's a certain type of DNA of person that succeeds, but it's also, there's, there's no shame. You know, it's like, you know, like you say, fail fast, you know, it's, it's having the ability to make a decision, do something and then react from that something. And I think we have to celebrate that. You know, that's what I love going to KubeCon for is that when I speak to people who are, you know, incredibly creative, you know, like you to come up with this idea and, and to be able to carry it through and execute it. It's, it's the ability for them to be okay with, you know, having a blue sky conversation. It's not, yep. you're right, I'm wrong. It's more, well, let's just talk about it. There's something we can come up with here that's successful. And that's what I think we celebrate and we should celebrate about this industry is, is the ability to continue to do that. And I think this year for you guys, based on what you've just told us, is going to be incredibly exciting. And I can't wait to follow the journey and uh, hopefully we can continue to work together and we can uh, we can meet up and share ideas because I think we've got a lot to learn from you. But equally, I'm really, really pleased that we've been able to, to share your journey with some people who, whoever's listening, I'm sure is going to be able to take something away, um, whether they're a potential client in a, uh, in a similar position or they're a, uh, you know, a budding, um, you know, 
DevOps engineer looking for the next challenge, there's there's going to be people that are thinking, wow, we need to uh, we need to to stay sharp and follow this. So I just want to say thank you so much for for coming on, and um, I wish you all the best for 2020. So guys, thanks so much. Here's the end of another amazing episode of the Arama podcast. And all I'm going to say is thank you so much again to our enamored guest, Amaram. It's bye from me, and I'm going to hand over to Amaram to say bye as well. Thank you very much, guys. I really enjoyed um, enjoy the session, enjoyed the questions. Uh, it was a great podcast, uh, definitely one of my best. Um, so keep up the, the great work and uh, looking forward to talking in the future again. Take it easy, guys.